2: A weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, the Rowan Radio News Team.
0: Good morning and welcome to the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Ali Bruce with the Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include Vice President Harris continues to be updated on the Kabul attacks despite being overseas, and the first group of Afghan refugees arrives at New Jersey-based McGuire-Dix Lakehurst. Here's your National News Recap for the week of August 22nd. (laughs) Former Governor Andrew Cuomo's final hours in office are coming under criticism, He granted clemency to six additional convicted criminals Monday night, including the driver in a 1981 armored truck robbery in Rockland County, which left a guard and two police officers dead. 76-year-old David Gilbert is serving life in prison and will receive a parole hearing. Dutchess County Executive Mark Molinaro took to Twitter, calling it another act of betrayal by a corrupt governor. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is issuing another executive order banning coronavirus vaccine mandates. Abbott says government agencies cannot force anyone to get the inoculation, nor can they require proof of vaccination. Businesses receiving grants, contracts, loans, or taxpayer money are also banned from asking for proof of vaccination status. The governor says the new executive order supersedes any local orders requiring people to get the shot. San Antonio ISD issued a vaccine mandate this week after the FDA gave full approval to the Pfizer vaccine. The Texas legislature passed a bill during the regular session banning governments and businesses from requiring proof of vaccination status. Abbott signed the bill in June. Michigan authorities have charged two men following a street brawl that left one dead. Tarrant Moore Jr. and Jeremy Shaw are facing trial in the death of 55-year-old Charles William last week. Investigators say he was killed in the 20 block of Newberry Street near Monroe shortly after 11 o'clock p.m. on Friday. Deputies received a call of multiple men fighting in the street and found the victim bleeding heavily from several stab wounds. A woman told investigators she and William had been arguing and he struck her in the head with a metal pipe. It's not known if the suspects in William's death are related to the victim. Mayor Bill de Blasio says New York has the nation's best rate of vaccination amongst kids ages 12 to 17, according to CDC data. He notes the vaccination rate within that group has risen by 22 percent since July 4th. Officials have launched a back-to-school vaccination campaign, including backpacks loaded with flyers and information, partnerships with houses of worship, and a new brochure discussing the DOE's efforts toward getting ready for the coming academic year. School Chancellor Misha Ross-Porter says enhanced cleaning and disinfecting within schools will make for safer school buildings. Three Georgia residents will stand trial on federal hate crime charges in connection with the death of Ahmad Arbery. The decision came from a judge in the case against Gregory McMichael, Travis McMichael, and William Rhodey Bryan. They also face murder charges at the state level. Video of the incident seems to show the McMichaels confronting Arbery while he was out for a jog before fatally shooting him. Jury selection in the federal trial is set to begin in Brunswick, Georgia, on February 7th. The state murder trial is expected to start in October. More than 2.3 million Californians have already voted in the recall election that will decide the fate of Governor Gavin Newsom. That's an increase of 800,000 ballots from Wednesday. The latest tracking numbers from Political Data Incorporated show 55% of those voting so far are registered Democrats, which could help Newsom survive the recall challenge. 23% of the return ballots are from registered Republicans, while independent voters with no party preference represent 22%. The highest number of returned ballots are coming from the following five counties, Los Angeles, San Diego, Santa Clara, Riverside, and Alameda. Two people are dead following a double-stabbing Wednesday night in Hackensack. One of the victims is a woman who was found bleeding on Fairmont Avenue just before 10 p.m. right in the middle of the street. She died at the hospital. At a home nearby, a man was found with stab wounds and was pronounced dead at the scene. Police have made an arrest but haven't commented on motive or charges. Weekly jobless claims are up. Labor Department figures show 353,000 Americans filed first-time claims for unemployment benefits last week. That's 4,000 more than the previous week's revised total. Analysts had forecast 336,000 workers would file claims. That would have been the lowest weekly total since the pandemic started. I'm Ali Bruce, and that was your National News.
3: Hi, I'm Joel Vasquez, and I'm giving you the latest news in the world of politics. The White House admits there will be Afghans trapped after the U.S. leaves.
0: It is not going to be possible for every single Afghan, millions potentially, who want to leave Afghanistan to be evacuated.
3: Following the death of 12 American service members in ISIS case suicide bombings in Kabul, Press Secretary Jen Saki told reporters it is not possible with conditions on the ground and the deadline. Saki said the president is not moving his August 31st deadline to pull out. President Biden has ordered flags to be lowered half staff at public buildings around the country. Now, the U.S. Department is still in contact with the remaining 1,000 American citizens still stranded in Afghanistan. According to officials, roughly two-thirds of those people are actively trying to leave the country, while another 500 have been evacuated in the last 24 hours. The 1,500 U.S. nationals represent the last of the 6,000 Americans that Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said were left behind when the evacuation from Afghanistan began less than two weeks ago. President Biden is being asked if he's responsible for recent events in Afghanistan.
4: I bear responsibility for fundamentally all that's happened of late.
3: Biden went on to say he inherited a pullout deal from former President Trump. Biden says he stands behind his timetable to evacuate people and pull troops out. The president said it was the right time to pull out troops after 20 years. A judge in Tallahassee is expected to rule Friday on a lawsuit brought by parents challenging Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' ban on school mask mandates. In Orlando Thursday, DeSantis said if the state loses, they will appeal.
5: And obviously, if we win in district court, I'm sure it'll be in trial court, I'm sure it'll be appealed on the other side, too. Uh, And so that's good. I mean, I think, you know, we obviously need to have this this stuff crystallized.
3: DeSantis said the state board of education will soon be announcing penalties against school districts that defy his mask mandate ban. The U.S. Department of Education will forgive over one billion dollars in loans from borrowers who attended ITT Technical Institute. The department says any students who did not finish their degree on or after March 31st, 2008, because of the school's closure in 2016, will have their loans forgiven. This affects about 150,000 borrowers and about 43% are in default. Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona said ITT misled students about its financial state by convincing them to take out private loans on unaffordable terms. That was your political news. I'm Joel Vasquez.
6: I'm Victoria Baker with your international news. Vice President Harris is being continuously updated on the situation in Afghanistan from overseas. The White House says Harris was briefed after landing in Guam at 1.27 a.m. on Friday. Harrison was returning to Washington, D.C. after visiting Southeast Asia. 12 U.S. service members were killed in the attack at the airport in Kimball, Afghanistan. Multiple reports say 11 Marines and one Navy medic died after the suicide bombs. Several others were wounded. One of the explosions was outside the airport and another one was at or near a hotel close to the airport. The hotel was reportedly used to ferry Americans to the airport. A new study out of the United Kingdom is reporting protection against COVID-19 is waning among those who received the Pfizer vaccine. The UK study of 400,000 individuals who got both doses of the vaccine showed 88% effectiveness a month after receiving both shots. The study says the effectiveness fell to 74% five or six months after taking both Pfizer doses. The data was collected in late May, right when the Delta variant became the dominant strain. P. said of The Who is paying tribute to the late Charlie Watts. Wednesday night, said joined the rock legend in playing their respects to the Rolling Stones drummer who died on Tuesday in London Hospital at the age of 80. said posted an image of a rainbow and praised Watts as more of a jazz drummer than a rock drummer, who made the Stones swing. The guitarist also called him a lovely man and said God bless his wife and his daughter. One Australian town is benefiting from having items like coffee and roast chickens delivered by drone. The company Wing, which is owned by Google Parent Alphabet, says it's delivered 10,000 cups of coffee over the last year to the town of Logan. That's in addition to 1,200 roast chickens and 1,700 snack packs. The town is located outside of Burzban. Six students from San Diego, California, who were among a group of students stuck in Afghanistan, have made it back safely to the U.S. According to the liaison working with families who were still trying to get out of Kabul, six children and two parents were back on American soil. There is at least 18 students in Cajon Valley Union School District with five other families still trying to get home. Those students were on a non-sanctioned trip when the Taliban took control of the war-torn country. That was your international news. I'm Victoria Baker.
2: And now it's time for local news with me, Sam Whalen. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf is asking lawmakers to return to session and pass legislation to mandate masks in schools. The governor has repeatedly said that he was going to let districts decide on masks. However, the Education Department has only received plans for a mask mandate from 59 Out of the state's 474 school districts. Wolf wrote a letter to Republican leaders saying he's been receiving countless calls from parents, teachers, pediatricians, and others asking for masks in schools. Wolf says it's clear that action is needed to ensure children are safe as they return to school. From Larry Higgs at NJ Advance Media for NJ.com, NJ Transit officials approved a new contract recently with nine unions representing bus drivers and mechanics that was completed before the old agreements expired. A tentative agreement was reached before the old contract expired on June the thirtieth. Union members of the ATU and nine locals representing drivers and mechanics ratified it in July. The contracts provide a total across-the-board wage increase of 9% over two years. The new contract expires in 2024. The agreement reflects the fierce competition NJ Transit faces in hiring bus drivers. Baltimore County has announced nearly $2.5 million in grants, to help more than 50 community organizations in their pandemic recovery efforts. County Executive Johnny Olszewski says the grants will be used to support emergency shelter and services for victims of domestic violence, support for food pantry expansions, mobile vaccination efforts, financial counseling programs, and more. In addition, the funds will help to cover revenue reductions or increased operating expenses due to the pandemic. The COVID-19 Nonprofit Recovery Grant Fund is supported by the county's allocation of Maryland Recovery Now funding, and is administered to the Baltimore Community Foundation. From Terry West at the Jersey Journal, Hoboken students who are eligible for a COVID-19 vaccine but have not gotten the shot will be tested for the virus weekly, the public school district announced recently in a move that is believed to be the first in the state. Students 11 years of age and younger who are too young to be vaccinated will also be tested on a weekly basis at random, according to the district's new policy. The steps the Hoboken public schools are taking go further than a state mandate that requires testing for unvaccinated school staff at least once a week. From Karen Price Mueller at Media 4 njcom with approximately 500,000 New Jerseyans set to lose pandemic unemployment benefits soon, Governor Phil Murphy won't say if he will extend the federal payments. At his recent coronavirus briefing, Murphy said he had, quote, no news about the prospect of extending benefits. President Joe Biden said states with unemployment rates that are higher than the national average, 5.4%, could use COVID relief funds to extend benefits beyond the upcoming expiration date. New Jersey's unemployment rate is 7.3%, and it received $6.2 billion in federal funds from the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan. Without an extension, three federal programs will end. There are dueling petitions regarding New Jersey's school mask mandate in Wayne. Parents started an online petition urging the board to ask Governor Murphy to remove the mask mandate and give parents the choice on whether they mask their children. Another petition in Wayne urges the board not to fight the mandate. There's a special board meeting in Wayne soon to discuss this issue. Meanwhile, the Middletown Board of Education voted recently to send a resolution to Governor Murphy demanding he make masks optional. New Jersey's Joint Base McGuire-Dix Lakehurst is welcoming its first group of Afghan refugees. The Defense Department says they arrived recently after being flown out of Kabul, but didn't provide numbers. They're undergoing full medical screenings, getting help with work permits, and will be assisted by Afghan refugee resettlement groups. I'm Sam Whalen, and that was your local news.
3: I'm Karaya Bennett with your Rowan News. Rowan Universities had just announced that the Recreation Center will open with limited hours to the university community beginning August 28th with full hours starting on August 31st. The gymnasium will remain closed until further notice. We sat down with Kevin George, the director of the Recreation Center, to see what he had to say about this exciting news.
4: Um, but for this year we are planning on opening both facilities um, and the rec center um, you know we're really excited we're going through staff training now but um, we're looking at all the protocols from the university and best practices for collegiate recreation so we're making final determinations on the masking you know we have the two weeks of the masking mandate but we also know that there are some challenges of wearing masks and doing some high intensity uh, workouts and you can't swim with a mask on uh, so we'll be finalizing those tomorrow but we're excited for all the programs to come back for in person we're going to continue to have some virtual programming um, some group fitness and some esports available but yeah we're excited to have everybody i know some people are going to be a little anxious and super excited to come back. We know that they also have never maybe been in the rec center. So freshmen and sophomores, uh, we want to be as welcoming as possible. And when they walk in the doors, hopefully they do come in the doors. We do want to make sure that if they look a little lost to to acknowledge that and let them know, hey, how can I help you?
3: For more information about the rec center, visit rowan.edu slash rec. And this has been Karaya Bennett with your Rowan News. That does it for the first half
0: of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, political, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Roan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Roan Report. I'm Allie Bruce along with the Roan Radio News Team.
1: I'm Danny Ryan with your news from around the sports world. Starting off in the NFL, we have some breaking news regarding quarterback battles from around the league. The Denver Broncos and head coach Vic Fangio officially named newly acquired quarterback Teddy Bridgewater as the Broncos' starting QB. Bridgewater battled for the job with former 2019 second-round pick Drew Locke, who started 13 games for Denver just last year. The decision came after Bridgewater opened Denver's latest preseason game with the starters against the Seahawks on Saturday. Bridgewater went 9-for-11 with 105 passing yards and one touchdown in that game. Switching things over to the other quarterback battle in Jacksonville, head coach Urban Meyer announced Wednesday that the number one overall pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, Trevor Lawrence, will officially be the starter for opening day against the Houston Texans. Lawrence was the overwhelming favorite for the job against Gardner Minshew, but in the words of Coach Meyer on Wednesday, he, quote-unquote, wanted him to earn it, as we do with every position. In other news from Jacksonville's camp, Jaguars rookie running back Travis ETM suffered a mid-foot sprain in Monday's preseason game against the Saints, but further testing revealed that the injury is Liz Frank and will likely end the 2021 first-round pick season before it could even get started. Taking a look at the latest news from around Major League Baseball, the Baltimore Orioles have done it. The ball club snapped their league-leading and longest-losing streak in 16 years at 19 games on Wednesday night in terrific fashion after taking down the two-way Japanese star Shohei Otani and the Los Angeles Angels by a final score of 10-6 in comeback fashion. The Electric O's tallied a total of four runs off of Otani in the form of three home runs. Switching things over to the Los Angeles team of the National League, the Dodgers faced the Padres on Wednesday night and defeated them by a final score of 5-3 to after 16 innings. Fernando Tatis Jr. originally tied things up in the bottom of the 15th inning in the form of a two-run home run to shift the momentum. However, A.J. Pollock and the Dodgers answered back immediately in the top of the 16th inning as Pollock crushed a go-ahead two-run home run that would provide the difference in this NL West clash. Last, but certainly not least, Marlins' number 2 overall prospect, Edward Cabrera, made his MLB debut against the Washington Nationals Wednesday evening. Cabrera's final line is listed as follows. Six and one-thirds innings pitched, four hits allowed, three earned runs allowed, three walks as well as two strikeouts on his record. Cabrera impressed during the earlier parts of his debut after opening his start with a near 98-mile-per-hour fastball. However, the young Marlins right-hander started to experience control issues, which compelled manager Don Mattingly to pull him from the game despite just throwing 57 pitches, 38 in which were strikes. Last, but certainly not least, Cristiano Ronaldo has made headlines in a big way this week after sources revealed to ESPN that Manchester City and Ronaldo are close to reaching an agreement that would cause a possible departure from Juventus. With that being said, my name is Danny Ryan, and that has been your news from around the sports world on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.
7: Hi, I'm Megan Stegler with your Rowan Report business update. The Treasury Department says nearly 90% of federal rental aid has still not been distributed. Matt Madison has more.
2: Roughly $5 billion of the $46 billion allocated has made it into the hands of tenants, landlords, or utility companies. The department says most of the aid is still being held by the state and local groups responsible for distributing it. After September, officials say programs that are unwilling or unable to deliver assistance quickly will be at risk of funds being reallocated to other high-need areas. I'm Matt Mattinson.
7: A new survey shows a large number of investors admitting they've cracked open a few bottles while trading. Research from Magnify Money shows 32% of stockholders say that they were drunk while buying and selling stocks. Among the age groups, those considered in the Generation Z category stood out at 59%. Meanwhile, 9% of baby boomers say that they were intoxicated while making financial trades. The author of the survey says the simplicity of mobile apps make it a lot easier to trade stocks while multitasking. Lion Del Bissell is looking for a new CEO. The Houston and Netherlands-based oil giant announced Wednesday Bob Patel will step down at the end of the year and leave the board of directors. Patel says it's time to focus on the next step of his career and believes Lyon Del Bissell is in a great spot for future growth. He's been CEO since 2015 and has been a part of the company since 2010. A search committee has been set up to find a new successor. Delta Airlines is raising health insurance premiums for unvaccinated employees to cover higher COVID costs. Employees of the airline who have insurance through the company will start paying a $200 monthly surcharge on November 1st. Unvaccinated employees will also be required to wear a mask indoors at all times and take a weekly COVID test starting September 12th. It comes as Delta requires new employees to be vaccinated against the coronavirus. I'm Megan Steckler and this has been your Business News Report.
5: And now it's time for your Weekly entertainment Recap with me, Brandon Searle. Rolling Stones drummer Charlie Watts has died. In a statement, his publicist said, It is with immense sadness that we announce the death of our beloved Charlie Watts. The statement adds, He passed away peacefully in a London hospital earlier today, surrounded by his family. Watts was 80 years old and recently pulled out of the Rolling Stones tour due to health reasons. Bandmates Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, and Ronnie Wood gave supportive messages to Watts following the announcement. The drummer joined the band in 1963, and Watts is survived by his wife, daughter, and granddaughter. Big Bang Theory alum Mayim Bialik is the first guest host taking over Jeopardy! following the quick departure of Mike Richards. He stepped down last week after facing backlash for comments made on a podcast. Bialik was originally announced as the host for the show's primetime specials, but will now take the reins for the next three weeks. Following her time, Sony told CNN there will be other guest hosts as they look for a permanent host. Legendary skateboarder Tony Hawk is putting some of himself into his latest collaboration, literally. Hawk is teaming up with the water company Liquid Death to sell skateboards painted with his actual blood. Hawk says he is deeply thankful for his connection with his fans and that the collaboration will take the connection to a new level. The limited edition decks are blood red and feature a graphic of a man whose head is a can of liquid death. Portions of the $500 price tag are going to an anti-plastic nonprofit, Five Gears, and Hawk's organization, The Skateboard Project. The naked baby on the front of Nirvana's Nevermind album is speaking out after suing the band. TMZ reports Spencer Eldon is suing the band for 150 grand because he claims they promised to cover his genitals with a sticker but never did. In a new statement, Eldon says he's asking the band to do what they should have done 30 years ago and remove his genitals from the front of the album out of respect for his privacy. Eldon said if the world could forget about it, then maybe he could too. He is suing the surviving members of the band and Kurt Cobain's estate, claiming he has suffered lifelong damages as a result of the album. He's also taking it one step farther by saying the image amounts to child pornography. Marvel fans are getting their first look at the Spider-Man No Way Home movie after Sony released the film's first trailer on Monday. In it, fans see Peter Parker turn to Doctor Strange for help dealing with the fallout after having his identity as Spider-Man revealed and the return of some fan-favorite villains, including Alfred Molina, returning as Doc Ock. The trailer comes a day after a version of the trailer was reportedly leaked online. Spider-Man No Way Home is set to come out on December 17th. It looks like Kanye West is looking to change his name. TMZ reports the 44-year-old rapper filed paperwork in Los Angeles to officially change his name to just Ye. He has been going by the nickname for years, but had yet to officially file to change his name until now. California will reportedly push the request through unless a judge finds the name is designed to commit fraud or another crime. Tom Cruise landed his helicopter in a UK family's garden. BBC News reports Cruz needed a place to land his chopper while filming the latest Mission Impossible movie because the nearby airport was closed. Allison Webb said she agreed to let an unknown VIP land at her home because she thought her kids would think the helicopter was cool. Webb said she was surprised when Cruz got out and went straight over to talk to her family. She said the actor not only took photos with them but offered to have the pilot take her kids for a helicopter ride while he went to a meeting. I'm Brandon Searles, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio.
0: And that wraps up this week's edition of the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. For the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Allie Bruce. Have a great day.